the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain. Nutrition. Chewing. The. Fat. Podcast. I don't know why I said it like it was a question. Fat. It's been a while, Joe. It's definitely cool. Oh. It has been a while. Oh. Not the best connection. Right, let's see how we get through. So we're talking about big one today. Joe's worried that it's going to be a four-hour. It's not going to be four hours. 40 minutes. That's that's the end. We're on. 11.07. Let's go. The menopause. Wait. Debate. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about what's going on why it's harder or why you gain weight, why it's harder for you to drop weight. But then obviously, I'm going to give you some very simple solutions that you can start implementing that are going to have a massive impact on this. The things that we've been using with our clients within our menopause-specific coaching that's helping them lose you know, upwards of 20 pounds of unwanted, unneeded, unloved weight. Um, that is today's show. So we're going to jump straight in with yeah, discussing like the, the common issues of weight going and why yeah, why people gain weight during the menopause. And it is all down to those pesky hormones. Now I did part of a video on our socials, which I thought was going to be a little bit controversial, but it actually went down pretty well. People are very keen to go, right, I gain weight because you know it's it's my hormones fault. And yes and no. So I'd say no, as in it's not the hormones. They're, they're not creating energy. We know that, you know, gaining body fat, increasing your body fat is coming from a calorie surplus. As in we're eating more calories than we are burning off. Or, yeah, that, that's it. That's the only way to do it. Now, dropping in estrogen cannot produce calories in your body. So it can actually make you gain weight. What's happening is it's creating the perfect environment for you to gain weight. And we're going to discuss that as we go through it. So it's not the hormones itself, and this is going to be provable as people who have gained weight and then go on HRT and then their hormones are back to where they should be, optimal. They don't just automatically gain weight. Uh, sorry, lose weight, but they're in a better position to lose weight. And that's going to come from you know less aching joints, better sleep, more energy, better moods, less cravings, and all, all the, the stuff that's fighting against you. So yeah, first things first. Is it your hormones or yes and no? Just losing estrogen does not cause massive weight gain. It's the impact, it's the symptoms of that losing estrogen. Joe, you look like you wanted to say something there. I do. There's a there's a point here about metabolism as well, isn't there? And people will will say, Yeah, but my metabolism's changed as I've gotten older, or I'm not I'm not actually certain of the metabolic implications of the, the menopause. But it's not a foregone conclusion. And we're always going to look at the areas that we can change. That's our job as coaches. We are not um, endocrinologists. We are not going to help solve the, we're not going to look at your blood work and find these patterns. We're going to work on your behaviors and, and the pieces that you can directly impact. 
And the same with the menopause, the same with getting older, is there are millions of people who are able to manage these things without gaining weight. So what is it that they are doing? What are they doing differently? And how can we copy that? How can we learn from it? It's not to say that it doesn't have an impact, because of course it does, and we're going to talk about that. But just to recognize that with all of these things, there is a solution. And that's what we're always going to encourage people to look towards. So when you look at the, that, that kind of environment that it's created, so we're getting poor sleep, which is going to drive up your cravings, which is going to um, lower your ability, your cognitive function, oi, oi, bit smart. And that's also going to be affected by estrogen, but it's easier to make poor choices. You, you're, you've got less, I suppose, if you want to put it, willpower. You're not going to be making the smartest decisions. I mean, I suppose when, again, estrogen is going to affect your cognitive function as well. Then you've got, so you've got less energy, you've got more cravings, you've got um, the less energy is going to mean that you're going to probably going to burn less calories because you'd be less likely to be as active as you would do normally, less likely to kill a workout. You've got aching joints, which again is going to impact your movement. You've got a lower mood, which is often leads to a lot of, you know, people that we work with comfort eat emotionally as well. You know, increased stress, again, more comfort eating. So this is what we mean when we say you're creating like a perfect weight gain environment if you're not, maybe if you don't have the best relationship with food, maybe if you don't have the best coping mechanisms, then it's stacked and very one-sided towards this environment of weight gain. Um, and that's from, you know, the lowering estrogen, the lowering serotonin, which is your happy hormone. You've got progesterone's down, which is kind of like, I don't know what I'd call it. It's like the calmness hormone. And, and these will go from day to day. And, you know, a couple of people in the in the private chat and stuff have talked about getting blood tests. You can't blood test for perimenopause because it's all over the place. You know, you're not, you know, I think it's like uh, us guys, we're pretty straight down the level. Your testosterone just slowly declines. That's it. Whereas with the women, it's pumping it's ebbing it's flowing so you might test yourself on a really high day and people are like there's nothing wrong with you and then you might test yourself on a really low day it's it's all over the place and that's why we can have these mood things i say we that's why you can have mood swings um because yeah it's just it's just all over the place you can be going absolutely mental one hour and then the next hour you're like oh my god what was all that about I'm like a different person it's because of these spikes these spikes in estrogen um so We've got this. Oh, go on, Joe. Sorry. I was going to say that also ties in. You know, the If you look at the typical age of menopause in the UK being 50, penny menopause being the 10 years before that, is that's going to be the typical time when women, or a lot of the clients that we work with, are busy working mums. And so you've got all of this on top of the day to day stresses that you've had for the rest of your life as well. And so it's not just the biological factors, but the sociological you know the, the different things that are going on in your life outside of just what's going on internally it's the external pieces as well and so if you don't know how to deal with these things and it's and most people don't because we aren't taught these things we're not taught emotional management we're not taught how to to deal with stress we're not taught resilience these things that you can control even when you are tired stressed you know uncomfortable in physical pain all these pieces now, there are ways of managing this that just aren't common knowledge because it's people don't talk about it, and especially in the fat loss industry. It's too, everyone's too busy banging the, the recipe drum and the exercise drum to look at managing these pieces. And actually, that's what we focus on. And I imagine what we're going to talk about a bit today. 
Yeah, and it's, it's important to recognise that there, there is physiological changes going on within the body with these hormone shifts that do require a different approach. And, you know, it's not uncommon for me to speak to women where they're like, well, what I was doing previously, what I've always done before is not working any longer. And it is because of this drop in, in BMR, which not necessarily is going to be a drop in metabolism as in how many calories your body burns at rest it will decrease a little bit, but also from you know less movement as we get older we move less you know as you're getting less sleep and you're sore and you're aching all these things you will naturally move less so there'll be less calories going out so whereas before you might have been able to get away with say eating 2,000 calories as a really easy example 2,000 calories a day now all of a sudden that was your maintenance now all of a sudden it's become a surplus because now your maintenance is 1,750 or 1,800. So there are changes that need to be addressed and even looking at becoming more carb resistant as you go through the menopause as well. So, you know, you may suit going on a slightly lower carb diet or as before, it was probably never an issue. So you do have to change the way you're eating. There is some boring stuff as well, like not eating as much iron. Again, this is one that I read as like, that's not, I even read in the notes like saying it's not a big one, but it's just, because you'll have less periods, you need less iron in your diet, but it's fractional. It's like from 30 micrograms down to like 20 micrograms. It's not, it's not a big one, but a big one. And it's the first time we're mentioning it. How far into this podcast? We're nearly like 10 minutes into this podcast. Eat more protein. You need to eat more protein, right? Everyone needs to eat more protein. Full stop. But you need to eat more protein as you get older as well, because it's, your body doesn't assimilate it as well. So you need to have more of it to get a better chance of digesting it. So eat more protein would be the first nutrition piece of advice in the, in this in this podcast. But just eat more protein, full stop, because everyone under eats it. We've got a, a diet diagnosis quiz, and that's one of the questions. How many meals per day do you eat protein? And for probably 90% of women, it's I have protein at my dinner. That's it. So they're probably getting... 30 grams of protein per day and then there may be like even if you generously say another 30 no you wouldn't even say that would you maybe another generous like 20 grams through things like bread and pasta people are probably topping out like 50 grams of protein today like you need to double that ideally go on joe no, absolutely just no just couldn't, couldn't agree more yeah so that being said, again, there the, the wants to be some changes that you want to make to your diet that are going to help these things. So going lower carb can be of benefit. Now, it doesn't have to be no carb. You don't have to go keto. Just be aware of these things. And it's not to say you can never have any ice cream, you can't have pizza or whatever. Just don't make them day-to-day things. So much of, of dieting and nutrition is kind of, is this a good saying? Suck it and see. You've got to try these things and see how they work for you. See if you feel good on it. You know, some of the conversations again within the, the chats where people like I speak to a lady and she's like, the only breakfast I've ever had found that keeps me full is peanut butter, jam, uh, sandwiches. Like, okay. I'd be curious as to how many other breakfasts you've tried. Cause I reckon if you ate a hundred grams of oats, <laughs> like, you know, a scoop of protein powder, you probably keep full of them that. But I suggested to her, like, why please try a high protein, moderate fat, low carb breakfast and just see how you get on, see how that impacts you, see if that's different. So it, a lot of it is, you know, just trying different things and seeing how you go and seeing how you feel from it. And it's becoming more aware of it. And that's why it's good to keep food log, something we always recommend. But even like eat within that, like, okay, 
when did I get hungry? How long after a previous meal was it that I got hungry? How are my energy levels? You know, how did I find it? It's, it's a valuable investment of a small amount of time. I don't know, you look like you're going to say something. So, what would we recommend, Joe, people eat other than protein um, to help? Again, we're, we're not, like Joe said, we're not endocrinologists. We're not saying, like, all right, if you eat spinach, then this is rich in this, and this is going to completely knock out any hot flushes. What we're doing is we're going, what's, as Joe said as well, like, what can we manage? What can we control that's going to have a positive impact on us? What do we recommend, Joe? Three protein servings a day, two veg servings a day, a increase in unrefined carbohydrates. So you're looking at the potatoes, your rice, your fruits, your veggies, and then healthy, unprocessed sources of fat. And so it's it's all the stuff that that people would know is is the healthy stuff. And it's and if you can get a balance of those things and prioritize protein and veg then you're going to get all of your macronutrient, micronutrient needs. It's probably going to help you with the weight loss side of things as well. And that's, you know, where me and James first started this journey with Sustain was, was that this was the, the best diet for fat loss. And then it because of the way that we approached helping people, then we gravitated towards women of a certain age, should we say, which and it then became obvious that this was one of the issues in regards to managing the menopause. There was something that we were already tackling but without really realizing it, and actually, we haven't had to change our nutrition approach very much in order to facilitate helping people going through the perimenopause. And so it's if you've listened to us for a long time, or this is the first podcast, if you listen to us for a long time, you've heard us say those, those things a lot. But if you're new to it, then the process is really simple. And you just have to work on eating more nutritious food. So often, if we look at the, the foods that can exacerbate symptoms, it's the processed refined foods that we that lead to people gaining weight and actually because people don't eat enough nutritious food if you just work on taking the high calorie stuff out you're left with nothing and then you make it worse because you're so hungry and so we would always work by putting in more nutritious food first with people because then you can see what's left and then it'll often be the emotional comfort eating and then we can start to work on those things so often people want to work on the mindset stuff they want to tackle their emotional eating but they're eating like a five-year-old. And so then you're making everything too difficult. You know, if you're having two weeks of breakfast and a salad for lunch, there's no way you're going to be able to manage your cravings in an evening or be able to get to sleep, you know, because you're going to be too hungry. And so people are on this endless dieting roller coaster of boom or bust of undereating and overeating, often within the same day. So that's the that's the way the way that we approach this. And it just so happens that it helps people with fat loss and helps them manage their menopausal symptoms too. Yeah, a couple of things on that. I speak to a client that I've just started working with um, last week. And she'd listed out, I was like, okay, let's look at the changes what we want to make. And she, she'd she put down, you know, eat more protein, eat more vegetables, drinking more water. And then she'd put down, like, reduce snacking, reduce sugar. I can't wait. She, she, she'd like about another three or four things. It's like, look, I really appreciate these are all things that we want to change. But I also don't want to throw everything into the pot at once. So what I want to do is, if we prioritize eating more protein, eating more vegetables, drinking more water, then we see what knock-on effect that has. Will that reduce your need to snack? Will that reduce your need to reach for, you know, kind of sugary, high-energy foods because 
you're getting better sleep and your blood sugar is more stable. So that's what we find is, as Joe said there, is like we look to add more nutrient-dense food. That's not to say that, you know, eating processed foods or, you know, you have a slice of pizza, it's going to build up toxins and it's going to make your eyeballs melt. It's nothing to allow. We're not saying that. We're not saying that you should never have these foods. You know, we're called sustained nutrition for a reason because we want to show you how to moderate these things. It's a big part of our plan. But we know from experience that when you eat these more nutrient-dense foods, one, you're fuller for longer. Two, they lend themselves to be lower in calories than eating, you know, things like breads and, and pastas and pizzas and high-fat, high-carb foods. So you're going to be following for longer. You're going to end up consuming less calories as a byproduct because it's much easier to lose weight, which feels strange because you probably feel like you're eating more food. They're going to balance out your blood sugars. They're going to help you with sleep. You know, the hydration is going to help you as well, just on a, on a cellular level, feel better. Um, they help combat a lot of the side effects that you'll have through the perimenopause. You know, the spiking in blood sugars, the the cravings, the the poor sleep the aching joints, all these things, I'm not saying will be cured, but you can help manage them by doing, I mean, no, it sounds stupid, it's something as simple as, right, I'm going to prioritize eating more protein and more vegetables. And for my carbohydrates, I'm going to stick to more complex stuff. I'm going to stick to stuff that's found in nature. That's what we mean by like nutrient-dense food. It's like things that are found in nature, more single-ingredient kind of foods. Stuff that if you, the supermarkets were shut, you could possibly go out in nature and find. So things like fish and meat and dairy and potatoes and vegetables and fruits and, and things like that. That That's what we're saying when we're talking about single ingredient foods. But these will have a massive impact on a lot of your cravings and help you lose a ton of weight as we have demonstrated. You know, we've had, what, what is it now? You know, we're on to like, 70 nearly probably like 80 women that have all struggled with their weight for years and years and years not just through the perimenopause but then find it even more difficult dropping like double digits of weight you know up to 20 pounds in three months what does that tell you obviously that we know what we're doing we've got something that works really really well anything to add to that joe perfect so we're good yeah, so looking at like managing some of the symptoms, so like the hot flushes, the mood swings, the sleep disturbances. Again, these can a lot of these can be taken care of just from some of these simple changes. And I know this is going to be controversial, and I'm not saying you have to do this. This is all advice. Booze, people love booze, and I get it, and that's cool. And you're an adult, so you can make a decision. But let's look at the side effects or the impact potentially drinking booze. It's really common for people to go like, but I need a glass of wine to go to sleep. Okay, well, that's actually, whilst it might help you go to sleep, it's going to hinder your sleep quality, which means you're going to wake up tired. You know, you're going to be more likely to have a restless night's sleep, which is going to impact your energy the following day, which is going to impact your cravings, which is going to impact your mood. It's a real shit show. And again, I'm not saying don't drink. I'm saying consider this, maybe take a few weeks off and see if your sleep improves, see if your energy improves. Because, you know, we've, I think we've all had those. I know Joe will have, not me for a very long time, but you've gone out, you've got hammered, and then you sleep for like 11 hours, which should be like, you know, that sounds like an absolute dream for me, sleeping for 11 hours. And then you wake up and you're still tired because your sleep quality is 
pants, you know, don't get sleep quantity and quality confused. But if your mood's poor, your energy's poor, your sleep is poor, you throw alcohol in there, it's not going to help. Let's say that. It's going to make it a, a whole lot worse. I think it's having that awareness of these things, isn't it? Is if you're struggling with sleep, then you're going to look for the ways that can help your sleep that are the most pleasurable or the easiest to access. So people will look for sleeping tablets or they will use alcohol, like you say. But the thing that has the biggest impact on your sleep is dealing with your dealing with your mind. And there was a, a study that I'd seen that was saying that CBT had the best results for helping people sleep. The number one menopausal symptom was reported through the menopause group that we're associated with was anxiety. And so you have a tool here that's difficult to access in comparison to alcohol and sleeping pills, but will reduce your anxiety, will help you get to sleep, will not impact your health in other ways, like medication might do, like alcohol does. And so it's the, the path of most resistance is often the one that we will encourage people to take because it works the best. You know, we're here to help people. I was talking to a lady earlier. It was, it was, um, we were discussing that the feedback that I'd given her, and it's just, we're here to make suggestions and we're here to help people get the best results possible. And so if the best result possible was through taking a pill, then we would tell you to do that. But sadly, it's not. And actually, you know, that, that looking for the difficult path sometimes isn't the sexy advice. But it's the thing that will really work. And it's the thing that will change your life in, in multiple ways. And so that's what we're always going to encourage people to do because it's what works. You know, it won't make us as much, as much money or make, uh, attract as many people to what we do because it's not that sexy seller. Here's this really easy way to, to manage your menopause. But that's, you know, if, it's too, if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. And I think anybody who says, right, you can fix all these problems with this one thing and be super cautious because in my experience it never ever works and so it's that's what we're why we're, we're covering so many different areas here why we're covering the diet why we're covering the mindset why we're covering the exercise why we're covering the food that you're eating at the moment because there's so many little things that will all have one or two percent and i think when it comes to any change people want big changes quickly that's very very difficult to achieve and so you know, always be cautious of that that really easy path because it's most likely going to have some issues with it. Sure, it's not the first time that we've been um, called unsexy coaches. I think it's our brand name, isn't it? <laughs> the unsexiest coaching selling system ever. Um, but again, even looking at just switching out your carbohydrate source, so reducing the amount of refined carbohydrates you have, you know, things like, you know, pasta and bread are probably going to be the most common ones out there. Um, that's going to have a big impact on cravings. It's probably going to have a big impact on calories as well. You know, like you know, I get a bee in my bonnet about carbohydrates when people say I've got an issue with carbohydrates. It's not. You know, you look at the calorie value of bread versus potatoes; they're like absolute polar opposites. It's ridiculous. I can't remember. I think I had a loaf of bread that was like two and a half thousand calories or something like that, and then I had a kilo of potatoes that was like six hundred and fifty calories. It's like it's one of these things that you're going to massively overeat. And it's one of these that you're just not, you know, I can't remember when we tried to eat like three kilos of potato in a day or something. It was an absolute slog on it. I think just to go on a slight tangent, you know, it's one of our podcasts is that all this stuff at the moment, is it the Zoe that tracks, tracks your 
um, blood sugar. rises according to certain foods, is that you're not, no one's gaining weight or struggling with their blood sugar levels because of too much zucchini. You know, it, the, there's a glycemic index that can give you the, these broad strokes. Of course, there's going to be some individual variability in this. But no one is going to take this and go, oh, do you know what? I'm eating too many carrots and I should be having more courgettes. And suddenly everything changes. You know, the broad rules that have applied for billions of people for the entirety of humanity are the things that we have to work on. And yet, you know, if you've got the money and, you, and you're really interested in it, that's great. But most people, they're just not going to make the change. Again, it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to just plug yourself into this and see what numbers come out. But actually, it's the harder work, the challenging you know you're talking about the, the alcohol piece and like why are you drinking that's always what i would say to somebody is like if you generally want to have six glasses of wine on a saturday night cool then go and do it but just look at why you're having these things is it you know and if the answer is anything other than because i really enjoy it then there's probably a healthier option because if you're having it for sleep or you're having it because you're stressed or you're having it because you're lonely or you're bored or you're upset then there's a better way of dealing with this. I might have said upset twice there, but obviously hiding my own my own pain. Um, then there's other ways of dealing with this that are healthier for you. And so those are the things that we'd we'd recommend you you look into. Even on a small tangent to join your tangent on that one, isn't it? Like you know, if someone goes like, oh, no, I really do enjoy those six glasses of wine. I'd be like, do you know? Do you really need six glasses of wine to enjoy yourself, or why don't you just try? having four and see if your enjoyment levels of that night massively did reduced by 33 percent because i bet they don't i bet a lot of it's just habit and you've convinced yourself you tell this story that you need to have six classes you know maybe you could get away with two try that you know that's again you know a bit of free coaching for anyone who's listening is you know that's what we do with people people if people behave in a way differently to how they would do previously so whether that's a food choice or whether that's choosing not to do something my follow-up question the following day Follow question. The question the following day will always be like, any regrets on behaving like that or making that? And they'll be like, none at all. You're like, cool. You have proven to yourself that one, you can behave in a different way. You don't have to have six glasses of wine. You can have two. And you've proven that you feel better when you do only have two glasses of wine. Because if you'd had six, you'd be like, mm, probably actually regret that. So a lot of it is just about challenging, you know, kind of beliefs and thoughts and stories that we tell ourselves as well. But just, just to counter to, to bring it back on back on track with regards to the the impact of food on menopausal symptoms is that when people say they have a problem with carbs, they are kind of right because if you have you look at the macronutrients you've got to choose from proteins, carbs, fats. Gosh, that's that's hard work, wasn't it? Is that if you look at high quality and low quality sources, if you have a low quality protein you know, reformed ham or whatever it may be, is there's going to be no immediate short-term impact. If you look at low-quality fats, there's going to be no immediate short-term impact. You might get a bit of information, but nothing major. If you look at low-quality carbohydrates, this is when we start to have the issues. This is when you have the ups and downs, the energy levels. This is what makes the cravings worse. This is what impacts your mood. This is what impacts your sleep. And so that would, you know, you mentioned before about looking at the bread and the pasta and the wine, and those pieces, and that's why. Because these are the things that have the biggest impact in the short term. And therefore, the things that if you change them will have the biggest impact immediately. You know, the difference between having ham, you know, reformed ham and chicken, you're not going to see. You're not going to feel it, you know, maybe ever so slightly. But the difference, if you can take out the bread and the pasta that you're having three times a day and the little chocolate bars between snacks and you replace that 
for oats and fruit, you know, immediately you're going to feel a, a more stable energy level. You're going to have better mood, fewer cravings, better sleep. You're probably going to lose weight pretty quickly because you're going to be taking quite, you know, a lot fewer calories, but quite a lot. So these are the things that you can impact immediately. And whilst James, when people talk about carbs, the devil's in the detail, but for the most part, those are the things that you can impact that are going to help you with your symptoms. Even improving on these meals. Again, let's just go off. We're going off topic. We're not off topic because it's all on topic. But improving those meals, because I don't want people to think that we're saying like, because a lot of people enjoy pasta. Kids, all kids love pasta for some reason. But anyway, kids become adults and adults like pasta. How can you improve that meal? So I had this conversation with one of my clients and she was like in a, a bit of a pickle. She was rush of time and she had, I believe it was a Marmite sandwich. Okay, cool. No issues with that, but there's some like really friction-free, easy ways. We're always looking at what's the easiest way of us kind of doing a bit better. How can we optimize that? How can we not make optimal? That's the wrong word. How can we improve that? So I said, right, you could have the Marmite sandwich, throw in, you know, 100 grams of ham in there, some low-fat cheese, make it into a toasty. Instantly, we've improved that meal because we've had a lot of protein to it. Have an apple and orange with it. Massively improved it now because we've had a ton of fiber with it. So we've still got a sandwich, but it's got more protein in it. It's got more fiber. Good. We've, we've improved that meal. Say we don't have that. Cool. Right. You have your Bama sandwich. You have a high-protein yogurt. You've added 20 to 25 grams of high-quality protein there. You have it with a load of berries. You've added loads of fiber there. You've already improved that meal. Without any, you know, any real effort. The effort was I went to the fridge, I got some protein, you know, I got a yogurt and I got some fruit and I'm good to go. I've already made this meal a hundred times better. So even looking at, you know, the classic bolognese, isn't it? What I said to clients, now Joe, you'll like this because um, maths is not my strong suit. So I keep my numbers real simple. I go, right, you've got 200 grams of lean mints, 5% mints, don't go for the 20, you might as well just eat butter. 200 grams of lean mints, you've got 200 grams of pasta. You've got 400 gram meal there. Joe, am I correct? Good so far. Thank you very much. So we're not going to take any protein away because we're keeping our protein high. We can't make it any leaner because it's 5% and 3% is just a myth. So don't take away that. So right where you go, well, then I've got to cut back on my pasta. So now I'm going to have 200 grams of mince and I'm going to have 100 grams of pasta. Now I have a 300 gram meal. Still correct, Joe? Yeah. Perfect. Now I've reduced, are you ready for this? I've reduced my meal by 25%. I'm eating less food. I'm going to be hungry. Still with me? Yeah, I'm there. Throw 200 grams of veg into that. You know, whatever you want, green beans, peas, courgettes, courgette, I don't care, whatever. So you're still having 100 grams of pasta. You're still having 200 grams of minutes. Now you're having 200 grams of veggies in there. You've got a 500-gram meal. It's lower in calories than the 200, 200 grams. It's going to be more filling. It's going to be better for you because you've got a ton of fiber in there. It's going to be slower digesting. It's going to push you towards your goals. But you feel like you're eating more. So whilst we're saying, you know, cut back on these refined, you know, reduce these refined foods, again, it's got to work for you. If you're having a family meal and it's spaghetti night, okay, I still want my client to have that. I don't want them eating separate foods to the family. I don't feel them going like, well, I can't have pasta. I'm going to have, you know, uh, a courgette that I ribbon off with a little potato peeler because that's not as nice as pasta. But how can we optimize these things? It's a lot of stuff. Again, it's got to fit into your day-to-day life. And again, that's going to have a big impact on cravings. It's going to have a big impact on your, you know, your blood sugars as well. So look at sometimes how can I make this a little bit better? As I said with 
you know, my client who wanted to make all these changes. Let's change a couple of things and see what impact they have. So if you can get away, we still have in, you know, your family spaghetti ball. Another client I was speaking to them, like just swap your, your um, cheese out for reduced fat cheese. There we go. It's exactly the same thing. Hands up, you know, it's not going to taste as delicious. But you're literally just picking something else off the shelf. It's a very, very low friction change that can have a big impact. Um, so always looking at ways of improving like that. But I feel like I just had to get that off my chest, you know. Yep, all, all good. Oh, so recommendations for us for, not this, well, this is what we do with clients, but look at the easiest way possible of doing these things. Now, in our experience, the easiest way possible of you making it more likely, I say I always say more likely, not ensuring because stuff always goes wrong, life happens. But how can you make it as likely as possible that you prioritize protein in each of your meals, that you eat high-fiber fruits or vegetables with you know the majority of your meals, that your snacks are more in line with your goals? The easiest way of doing that, if mine and Joe's huge, massive experience of looking at six million food diaries over the past eight years, is plan your meals. And this doesn't have to be a precision plan. Have a plan of, okay, because then you've got a list, right? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I'm not going to say it seven times. And you go, does this meal have protein in it? No, it doesn't. Well, what can I have? Right. You know, you look at that lunch and it goes, Marmite sandwich. And you're like, hang about. This is missing two huge things here, protein and veg. What can I do to do that? And you just slot that in. And then you know what else you do? Get the food in. You shop instead of getting you know caught out and going, shit, I've got 15 minutes. And so my next call, I've got to nip down to the Sainsbury's. I've got to grab some food. What's if actually there's Taco Bell on the way? I'll just get something from there. Look at the easiest way possible of doing these things. Planning is going to be a big one. Some level of prepping you know for me i cook my meals that i bring to work with me because then i don't have to go find any food i get hungry i put it in the microwave it's good to go that works for me but look at the easiest way possible of you doing these things and planning has to be a big one and it might sound so simple but the number of times that somebody says i ran out of food or i could give an example for me when i didn't have anything in for some reason i said right i'm going to go to the butchers and buy some burgers and have that with lunch and at the butchers i bought like a pasty and a sausage roll and some burgers and you're like as soon as you give yourself a chance to to go awry then you're making your life harder and if you are already struggling with low mood poor sleep cravings low energy levels then you're already in a biological situation that's harder to manage so the more chance you give yourself to mess up the more likely it's going to happen and these things like james said they're such it's, you know, the, it's like the butterfly effect and if you just have some yogurt and some ham in the fridge and some berries in the freezer you've always got something to eat it's so much easier to make that decision you know humans like ease if the food is in the fridge and you've got to go to the shop to buy the high calorie food you're more likely to just eat the stuff that's in the fridge rather than go out the house to go get it. Whereas if you've got lots of high calorie food in the house, which lots of people do, and nothing or very little that you can snack on from a nutritious standpoint, it's so hard. You're making this so much more difficult than it needs to be. And such small changes like having the ham in, you know, one thing that we're doing at the moment because we've not got a kitchen, is buying a roast chicken and just and having rice sachets and just pulling the meat off. And those things are things that you can do. You know, we're at the house where there's no kitchen that we just put into a Tupperware and suddenly protein, veg, 
Slurry's Cubs. I completely distracted when you said pulling the meat off. <laughs> like, it's like a 13-year-old boy, like a character from the other kid in between us. Um, yeah, look for the easiest way possible. Let's get back to it. Don't try and do everything at once. You know, make, as I use the, my, my client's example, like do something, see what impacts that has. Again, if you've been struggling for the past five years, that's not just to go, right, right, this all has to change right now. Do small things. Again, it's got it's got to be manageable. But the first thing, yeah, will be, you know, for me would be, what's the, what's the, the holy trinity for me would be planning meals, prepping meals, uh, logging meals. Write down what you've eaten. You know, even to go back to what you said there about the, the, the planning stuff, which sounds really easy. And, and I... Sounds like it's time consuming, but it saves so much time because it saves, reduces so much thought of, right, what am I going to eat? I think very often as well with this, people struggle with overwhelm. And it's, you know, this, because we're doing a podcast, it, it has to be black and white, but this can just be plan your breakfasts to start with. And then the next week, plan your lunches or one lunch. You know, over the course of, think about how long most people are overweight for. If you planned one extra meal a week within six months, you'd have Monday to Sunday three meals a day done and so it's about just looking at those pieces and I think very often people will say these things and people say well I'm doing that having protein three times a day and veg twice a day and then you look at their food and they've had a ham and tomato sandwich for lunch like okay how do we do more and I'm not suggesting that you know you should always be dissatisfied we should always look for ways to improve because if you're not getting the results you want and like you know imagine people are listening to this because they're looking to improve then look for ways to do it how are you going to do it? How are you going to get more protein and veg in? You know, what's the, the government advice is 80 grams of veg five times a day. So are you eating 400 grams of veg a day? There's quite a few of our clients who will have veg twice a day, but will be nowhere near 400 grams a day. So how do you move that up? I'm not suggesting you eat 400 grams of peas if you don't like peas. What I am saying is how do you get an extra 50 grams in? How do you get a little bit more in? I blend 50 grams of carrot into my protein, my oats, and my berries in the morning, I don't notice it. And I do notice it when I take it out when I'm not eating it. And so little things like that, you know, 50 grams of carrot sticks. Is that a massive sacrifice to you to, to make yourself to make the carrot sticks and to eat them? It might not be what you want to eat, but how much do you want to achieve your goals? And so often these things, it's just about getting them done, finding the ways that work for you. And if you love everything you eat and it's nutritious, that's great. And if you don't, like I don't, you know, I don't like eating lots of veg. But I, I find ways to make that work for me, blending it in, using tomato-based sources. So these are the things that it's having that just constantly looking, how can I do this in a way that works for me? How can I do this a little bit better? Rather than thinking, well, I've done that and it's not worked. Or, you know, I'm already doing that and I'm not getting where I want. Well, is there a way you could do it better? You know, there's nobody, I've never worked with somebody and gone, they're eating too much protein or they're eating too much veg. So there's there's where to start. If you're not getting where you want, put more of that in. Yeah, I'd say also on that is don't start with 400 grams then. Start from 100 grams. You know, the majority of people we speak to like don't eat any protein or very little protein. You know, don't have a lot of vegetables. You know, it's a, two pieces of broccoli on the side of a, a plate. Okay, we'll start there and then go to three and then go to four and then go to five. You know, again, look for the easiest way possible. So my brain started ticking then when you were saying that. Like, okay, if it's 400 grams, start off with an aim of eating 150 grams per day. You can weigh it out. You can set it out and go, right, I have to eat this over the course of the day. Cool. Or have your bloody spaghetti bolognese with 100 grams of vegetables and then eat an apple and a satsuma afterwards. 
cold would massively increase the amount of fiber that we're having that day just find what's going to be the easiest way possible for you to do it and if you need help with that you need to find a couple of expert coaches i don't know where you'd find those um but also you know we've got our uh menopause weight loss solution guide you can download 100 for free which lays all this out as well um i think that's it joe i think i think that's done us i think absolutely 39 minutes we've managed to kill that i said 40 minutes didn't i anything to add cool you can find us on the socials guys if you want a copy of that guide then you just need to drop us a message and i will send that over for you but other than that thanks for listening if you've got any ideas, anything that you want covering, feel free to reach out and we'll let you know if we think it's a good idea or not. <laughs> and if we can talk about it for 30 minutes. Right, that's it. Goodbye. Thank you.